Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. This week, we're talking with Stephanie Beatriz and Courtney Kosak, who are two rad ladies who also happen to be best friends and co-hosts of a relationship podcast called Reality Bites, which it's worth noting is bites like with a Y. Like, because it's all because about interneting. Mm-hmm. We will talk to them about the podcast. We will also talk with one of the hosts, who is Stephanie Beatriz, who is also known as Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, about yes. the fact that she is Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We are very excited to talk to her about all of the things. We also have homework this week from Dory Greenspan, also known in the office as Dory the Cookie Lady. So stay tuned for that, too. But first, let's talk a little about Brooklyn Nine-Nine and how it's kind of my favorite comedy on TV right now. I really love Veep. There's a few other things that I watch. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the show that that really I make sure I watch every week because I always have at least a few laugh-out-loud moments with this show. It has some shared DNA with Parks and Rec and its creators and some of its writers. And the feel, too, I think. Yeah, it's got a lot of heart and it's very silly. Uh, It's about a workplace family, basically, cops in a precinct in Brooklyn. And it's a very diverse cast, which is something else I love about this show. Stephanie Beard and her co-star Melissa Fumero may be the only pair of Latinas on a network TV show right now, except for maybe Jane the Virgin. So that's pretty unique. And to give you a sense of what that sounds like in the precinct, here's a clip from a recent episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So I believe the key to good teamwork is an equal exchange of ideas. Stop. I know you already have a plan. And I want to win. So for the next eight hours, I'm down with all your nerdy crap. Come on, Amy. Show me the binder. Okay. But it's not a binder. It's a virtual binder, and it's encrypted on this flash drive. That's my girl. Now, where's the 3D model of the precinct? Inside the keychain. It's a freaking hologram. Yes. Rosa Diaz is the very deep voice in that scene that you were hearing, which, by the way, is not her normal speaking voice. So the Rosa you just heard from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is not the Stephanie you will hear in just a minute. Before we jump into our conversation with Stephanie and Courtney, here's just a little taste of what their podcast, Reality Bites, sounds like. So we decided to start this podcast because we kept having these like massive conversations about our respective dating lives. At the time, I was in a very long-term relationship and Courtney was sort of exploring the dating world and we would send each other these like screenshots of texts of like, this is what I'm going through and this is what he said and then this is what happened. And the whole experience kind of harkened back to the 90s movie, Reality Reality Bites with an Eye. We haven't seen it is great. So good. Everyone's angsty, looking for their partner. It's like it's singledom, but without this phone thing. So now it's the same thing still, right? We're all sort of searching for our, hopefully our life partner, but we have this big bad thing in the middle that's supposed to help us connect to people but really can turn us into like monsters <laughs> monsters i love that it's called reality bites with a y so you get that little <laughs> play on the digital in there but it is true right that it reminds me of i think there's a quote from 
30 Rock, where Liz Lemon is talking to a teenager about this guy she's having relationship problems with. And she goes through this list of like, he didn't Snapchat me back and he didn't like my Instagram. And then he ignored my text and blah, blah, blah. And she just goes, so there's real. so many more ways for dudes to ignore you now. Like, yes. yes. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> yes, totally. It's painfully true. Like there's so many mixed signals and messages and like, and, and, you know, either you're in a relationship or you're trying to be in one, you're sort of si- like trying to, figure out from any clue any clue anywhere like do they like me slash do I like them and you're just looking for clues anywhere you can and yeah and it's just an obstacle course yeah so basically the podcast is us just trying to help each other slash we have guests though we have like expert guests that are <laughs> helping our own therapist comes on <laughs> I legit fall apart just like I'm on this woman's couch oh no she's better than she thinks she is and also we talk to like people that we would like to be friends with like we talk about their you know their experiences in relationships what they want what they are challenged by and we're hoping that that sort of makes people essentially feel less alone in this thing because you feel really alone and sort of mixed up and sad sometimes when you're trying to figure out what all this stuff is and we just felt less alone by talking to each other about it so when you have listeners sort of pouring their hearts out to you and i'm guessing that'll just start to happen more and more how do you guys navigate that like are you thinking of yourselves as giving advice or as just sort of helping people work through something? (laughs) I try to think of it like trying to be kind to a friend that I don't know very well yet. That's really sweet. Because there was a question that we had a couple weeks ago with Gabby that was from this young woman who to me sounded like probably a teenager, but we're not sure how old she was. But like Mm -hmm. she had a lot of questions about these feelings that she was having for her best friend and both of them identify as queer. And she just wanted to sort of know like, what to do next and my heart really went out to her because like I remember that I really remember being like 16 17 and having those feelings for friends and when I was in high school it wasn't cool yet I was pre-glee so it was not okay Mm -hmm. to be out yet or anything so I try to come at it with as much empathy as possible and less like here's what you should do but like well as your friend, here's what I hear and here's what I think. But there's also an opportunity to, like, reply to that email personally. and Sure. In some ways, the show can only understand so much of the nuance of what's going on when it's just an email or a voicemail or yeah, something that you're totally. responding to. But I think people will be able to find, like, the universal nugget of wisdom in that conversation you're having as a result, too. I mean, basically, any relationship problem any of us have, like, we can all learn from, I think. I remember I've been listening to Dan Savage's Savage Love podcast for years, and it's like those stories. First of all, it's just like an entertaining, fun show to listen to, but it's sort of like a master's class in relationship ethics more than it really is about like sex or dating. It's just like, how do you deal with other humans in your life? Yes. How do you deal with other humans in your life? How (laughs) can you best treat them, you know, while still maintaining your sense of self and not letting yourself feel like... You're getting stepped all over or used or something, you know? Yeah, we're not, like, experts in the traditional sense, but I think, like, we're trying to, like, be very authentic with yeah. ourselves and each other and our feelings <laughs> as we're, like, navigating this. We're your new besties. If there was just one thing that technology has changed about dating and relationships that you could sort of wave a magic wand and just not have to worry about, is mm. there something where you'd be like, oh, man, it would just be so nice if... This wasn't a thing. 
God. Like to just go back to the good old pre-cell phone, (laughs) pre-smartphone days. Yeah. I feel like the burden of expectation, whether it's how quickly someone responds or like that they're going to be available to you 24-7 or like unspoken expectation that that I think gets us all in our heads. It'd be great if we could just like make that go away. It's hard to sort of say like I just want to go back in time because there are so many great things Mm -hmm. that – the internet has given us you know (laughs) the real thing i wish i could change is what courtney said like the human element i wish they were teaching in school some kind of like empathy classes about the internet and like the effect that Mm -hmm. your words and deeds have on other people even though you're separate from when you act that way or say those things you know well, if we can't get a class in school, at least we can get everyone to listen to or watch Reality Bites because I think you guys are going to be having those conversations there and everyone should check it out. In just a minute, we're going to talk with Stephanie a little more about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Stephanie, one of the reasons we are very excited to talk to you on Nerdette is Greta and I both are huge Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans. It has done so much to help fill the Parks and Rec shaped hole in our hearts that when that show Aww. ended, right, like we all were like, but where's the comedy full of heart and hilariousness going to be in our week? And I feel like for me, that is definitely Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I watch it every week. And I just think you guys are doing a great job creating that sort of weird family that is really, I think, at the core of most of these workplace comedies. And I wonder, you know, how do you describe the show to people who haven't been watching it? Usually what I say is think like a workplace comedy, but also with action and fun cop stuff and very weird archetypes. And people are like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you know, like the weird guy that you work with and like the really mean person that you work with and the super nerdy person that you work with and like the very strange cold person that you work with. <laughs> like I sort of go through like the archetypes and people are like, oh, that sounds fun. And I'm like, yeah. And also, you know me. So now you should watch it because otherwise you're a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And your character in particular is, I mean, I think people who are hearing your voice, your real voice for the first time in this <laughs> podcast are going to be very surprised because your character's voice is very different. I don't know if you can give us a taste of it for a second, maybe. Yeah, to... she's super different. She's a lot deeper. Yeah, yeah there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like very, very sort of dry and matter of fact and sort of, very. you know, there's a lot of uh, spastic people on the show, right? Whether it's, you mm-hmm. know, the Andy Samberg character or some of the others. You positively glow. How do you feel? Great. I could smother somebody in their sleep with this thing. Pregnancy's dope. Whoop, 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 whoop. That big old womb is not a weapon, okay? It's just an excuse to talk to your doctors, a.k.a. Charles and me, in private. If you need to chat, just schedule an appointment with Brent Kennedy, OBGYN. And I'm Glenn Kennedy, OBGYN. We're twins, like property brothers, but for gynecology. No, I said no to that idea. (sighs) 
You are Isaac Schwartz, my older Jewish mentor, and you are Isabel Cortez. You're in for stabbing a man on the subway 46 times in the trachea. Tight. You know, there's a lot of, like, high-strung folks in your precinct. Yes. And I feel like your character is sort of the, the steady-as-a-rock dry wit in the group. Yeah. Still waters, man. <laughs> there's always got to be one of those in the comedy family or duo or whatever. There's, like, the 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 very the straight qu- man. Yeah, straight man. That's what I want to say. The straight man. So I'm the straight woman. Yeah, you're the straight man to a lot of very goofy characters, for sure. Yes. You and Andre hold down the straight fort. (laughs) And this is a cast, you know, it's been written about, it's been talked about a lot, that it is a more diverse cast than you sometimes see in this sort of show or in this genre of TV, where, you know, you have multiple African-American leads, multiple Latino leads in a way that I find really exciting as someone who is half Puerto Rican. I'm just like always like throwing my hands up with excitement when there's more than just sort of one of each kind of non-white person in a show. And so was that something that you think is a sign of changing times or does it feel still special and different? Like, is it a unicorn show to have done that? Or do you think that that's just where everybody's going to be heading? I think both. You know, when I was cast on the show, well, actually, right before I was cast, I had auditioned and, you know, I had like a Google alert on my computer and I saw that Melissa had been cast and I was so thrilled for her. But I was also like pretty upset because I thought there's no way like a network television show is going to cast two Latinas in their ensemble. It's just it's not going to happen. And so I was pretty devastated. And then like maybe the next day or the day after that I got the call that I had booked it and I was like what is happening and then all during the pilot shooting the pilot because you know when you shoot a pilot you don't know if the show's been picked up or at all you just shoot the pilot and like you cross your fingers and hope for the best and I remember shooting the pilot and you know a lot of times in Hollywood they'll shoot the pilot and then they'll go back to the drawing board and shoot the pilot again yeah and Melissa and I were like what if they turn one of us white because originally my character was written as white her name was Megan and I was really worried about it. And, like, Dan Gore and Mike Schur are really dope guys. And they decided that we were who they wanted. And it didn't matter what color we were. Now, on the flip side of that, it did matter a lot to me because I hadn't grown up watching television where there was, like, a network comedy where there were that many people of color on it. And that that it wasn't about that. Yeah, that's you know, what's so more, great about it is it's not like right? you are the token this and you are the token that. It's just right. everybody is their weird selves. But it's not that it's not present in who the character is, but it's not like, oh, you are playing this type this. of archetype that yeah. is based All solely your on your— All your jokes are yeah. based on yeah, totally. your ethnicity or a writer's maybe sometimes not correct view of your ethnicity. You know, so like in that way, I do feel like it is a bit of a unicorn. But on the other hand, you're watching television now and we're seeing that more and more, which I think is it's beginning to change. It's ushering in a new sort of era. I hope I hope I hope I hope, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I can only still think of maybe of network TV shows that have more than one scandal. uh, Scandal. You've got Shonda. You know, Shondaland is is Shonda's, doing pretty well. Shonda's the best. Yeah. Jane the Virgin. Shonda's I love, it. and it's like this beautiful portrait of all these really strong women in that show as well. But I think that might be about it still. There's an NBC show. Um, I forget the name of it, but America Ferrara is on it. Oh yeah, Superstore. Yeah, Superstore. New show. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about a workplace for a workplace comedy, it's usually some sort of generic office setting or yeah. something like that. But you guys are cops. And so I just wonder, like, how do cops react to seeing this sort of 
jokey or more jovial side of of what it's like to be in a police station? Like, well, how do cops the, react to the show? The cops that I have encountered that watch the show are so great because they their cop being a cop is quite a bit of an office job. I mean, yes, there's the street cops that are on the beat and stuff, but they also still have to fill out their paperwork. They yeah. still have to do the grindy part of it and like I've talked to quite a few cops that are like you guys are so funny that's exactly how we are in the office just screwing around and like trying to keep our minds off of you know because they've got pretty dark jobs yeah and quite a few of the police officers that I've spoken to there's a couple of retired ones that consult on our show and there are quite a few that I've met in real life but they all say the same thing which is that the job is so dark and heavy that they have to bring light to it so a lot of the time during the day, they're spending it trying to make each other laugh, which I thought was actually really sweet in a way and very much our show. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, too. I mean, you know, you hear cops or lawyers or doctors talk about TV shows and they're like, that's not like our job at all. But like you said, mm-hmm. there are still paperwork moments and mundane moments in, in almost any profession. And so that is when people's personalities start to just interact as opposed to everybody just being too busy to think about what's happening next. But But we're also in this moment in our culture where just the word police has become Mm -hmm. politicized and it feels like a lot of times there's two parallel conversations happening in this country about people's relationship to law enforcement and I wonder you know you guys probably film quite a ways ahead of when we're seeing every episode and do you guys talk about that on set do you worry about or wonder about sort of what the moment or the climate's going to be as an episode comes out if you guys are trying to even in in what is like a very funny very intentionally comedic show you know what you're saying about police and police's relationship to a community I think the writers probably do a lot more discussing than we do because I always think it's really interesting how people and not you Trisha but like fans and stuff on Twitter or whatever will ask me, like, why doesn't Rosa get a girlfriend? Why doesn't Rosa do this? And I'm like, you guys, I don't write the show. Like, I show up at the table read. I read the script for the first time. And then the next week when we start shooting it, the script might be completely different. So I don't get to decide what my character does and doesn't do. That being said, if there's something blatant in the script that I feel is wrong or just reads to me like I'm very liberal, I'm like... If it reads to me like this is not the way that I want this character portrayed, this is not the interaction that I think that is sensitive to the time that we're living in, then I say something about it. But I really think our writers are doing an incredible job of navigating those very tricky waters. Dan Gore especially, like he's such a feminist. He's so – he's such a caring, wonderful person and he's really sensitive to that stuff. I mean if you watch our show – you hear it in the character of Jake all the time. He's the like most inclusive, least homophobic, yeah. like yeah. most feminist sort of like wonderful character to be like a white male lead on a show. So I can only hope that we're doing a good job. But it is it's really some people just don't straight up won't watch our show because it's about cops and they have like a thing about that. And, you know. I respect that decision. There's nothing I can do about it. I think, too, though, that the show is doing such a good job of offering sort of a valve to release some of that pressure, right? Like yeah, all of the... I was just about to say that. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to, to, yeah, to jump no, in. Yeah, no, no. You yeah. read my mind. You read my mind. Yeah, because I think, like, we do have to laugh sometimes and, like, blow off a little steam sometimes. And the show can offer people a venue for that. 
Yeah, and there are, I mean, in any job, there are bad people in that job, and there are good people in that job. And I think what our show does really well is sort of focus a little light on a pretend world, albeit a pretend world, but a a world in which these cops are good people. They are good at their core. They all want the same thing, which is justice, and they're fighting for the little guy all the time, you know? Yeah. So in that way, like— it is sort of nice to be able to turn on your TV and go like, oh, yeah, that's a fun little view into that world where there are good cops that really care about the people that they protect and serve. All right, Stephanie and Courtney, thank you so much for joining us under debt. We are going to be listening to and watching Reality Bites. And of course, we're going to be watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it fills that Parks and Rec-shaped hole in our hearts. Yay. Thank you, thank you for having Great us. To that was awesome. Bye, girl. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thanks to Stephanie Beatriz and Courtney Kosak. Be sure to check out Reality Bites. And if you're not watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you are seriously missing out. Speaking of bites. <laughs> that's my real clever segue. It's actually pretty good. Because it's time for homework that involves cookies. That's in just a minute. Okay, guys, your homework this week comes from Dory Greenspan. She has a new cookbook out called Dory's Cookies, which is truly magical for a great many reasons. I feel like we need to discuss my relationship with cookies for just a minute, Trisha, because this is real. This is like a serious thing. It may be the longest relationship in your life. <laughs> it prob- Well, other than like my mother, who is the person who makes these but cookies. Who so got your love via cookies probably yeah, early yeah, on. Yeah, tro- totally, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I, I talk about Mary Johnson cookies with Dory, so I feel like just some context would be useful. Mary Johnson is my mother. Who, you know, I've talked about a little bit on the show before, but I don't know that I always talk about <laughs> her by name. <laughs> so I thought I would just tell you we're talking about Mary Johnson, who is my mom. And she makes what I would argue are like the best cookies ever, which was a little weird to tell Dory, but I feel like she understood. Well, and some people make one or two cookies really well. Yeah. Your mom seems to have a deep bench yeah. of really strong <laughs> cookie game. She does. She does. There was the first year we were making this show, there was a Google form. Mm-hmm. Did you make it or did your brother Jacob make the form? No, my brother made it. He, I mean, we all have a lot of strong feelings about cookies in the Johnson family household. And so my understanding of this, Greta, correct me if I'm okay. wrong, is that <laughs> there was a question about what assortment of cookies would be the ideal assortment for Mary Johnson to make while you and Jacob were going home for Christmas. Yep. And, you know, reasonably, she only wanted to make four or five different kinds of cookies. Yeah, I think she kind of like, I think she was at the point where she was like, listen, I'm not making a dozen cookies. So y'all got to pick them up. Right. I'm not making a dozen kinds of cookies. So y'all got to like choose amongst yourselves and let me know. And she had done sort of like an informal poll, you know, she was like, Greta, like, what are your like must have? Yeah, exactly. Can't Can't miss miss cookies. cookies. But Jacob took it upon himself to create a survey so that we could all weigh in. And Although in this case, meaning <laughs> you and Jacob, there's only two Johnson well, children. Dad. Yeah, I mean, my dad's got cookie feelings too, Trisha. Let's be honest. <laughs> but you let me into the Google form as yeah. a ringer, <laughs> and so there were cookies that Jacob knew were your favorite cookies. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. suddenly had two votes. Right, there was right. voter fraud. <laughs> Was, in the Johnson cookie, cookie poll of 2014. Fraud. It was cookie voting fraud. Well, it, it just goes to show mind. you, you know, and 
My mother has used the term hearts and minds when it comes to her cookies and the work that they can do because they are just like these are magical cookies. And she vacuum packs them and mails them to me mm-hmm. from, All the Alaska, way from Alaska. And they're still fresh and delicious and amazing. You've had them. They're delicious. I mean, these are pretty incredible cookies. My boyfriend, the first time he tried them, I went home last year in December and he sent a note along with me requesting, kindly requesting 100 cookies. 100 cookies. Yeah, she laughed at him a lot. <laughs> So anyway, these are <laughs> the cookies real. we're talking about with Dory, yes. who is a cookie professional. <laughs> yes. But Mary Johnson ain't no slouch. That's all we're saying. <laughs> Let's hear Dory's homework as it relates to holiday cookies. I have given my friends Mary Johnson cookies and they have just completely blown people's minds. Like very consistently, people are just like, oh, my God, these are the best cookies I've ever had. And, you know, mom likes to say it's because of all the love she puts in them, which is not fat free, but still worth it because it's love. (laughs) Love is never fat free. (laughs) No, no, love is not fat free. But that's why it's so good. right? (laughs) But I was just wondering, like... I want to start by just what you think it is about cookies. Like, why are they just so magical and good always? First of all, I'm glad you believe that they're magical and good (laughs) because I'm a believer. I believe they are magical. And I think there's something about cookies. They're both... They're both generous and selfish. So as, you know, as a baker, you know, I agree with your mother that we bake love into things because... We always bake to share. Mm-hmm. And with cookies, you always bake a batch. So you're always baking to be able to give them to someone. So as a baker, cookies are really generous. As an eater, you know, <laughs> mine, mine, all mine. That cookie is mine. It's a one-to-a-person treat. And there's something so nice about having something all to yourself. Do you feel like you can tell something about a person based on what their favorite cookie is? I could tell something about a person if he or she didn't have a favorite cookie. And what is that, that they're a Scrooge? That would be so... <laughs> that not that would, generous I enough? would either feel sorry for that person or move on to the next person. <laughs> you have to love cookies. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. So what's your favorite cookie in the book? Is that just like the most difficult question? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is the most difficult question. So, okay, I wouldn't have, there are 170 recipes. Wow. I wouldn't have put any of them in here if I didn't love them. But I do have favorites. I don't have a favorite. Mm-hmm, that's Although, fair. The World Peace Cookie, which is the cookie on the cover, I have a real soft spot for, both because the recipe was given to me years ago by Pierre Hermé, the great French pastry chef who's also a friend. So I love it for that. I love it that a friend of mine renamed it World Peace. And I really do believe if everyone in the world had this cookie, (laughs) peace, peace, peace. And it's chocolate. And it has salt. And it has dark chunks in it. So, yeah, it's a great cookie. So one thing we like to do on Nerdat that I think would be especially fun coming from you is we like to assign our listeners homework. Yes, I have a good homework assignment. So I started a few months ago, I started a project called Hashtag Cookies and Kindness. Oh, yay. Because I was thinking... Things are kind of wobbly these days. We've had a tough year. And the way I said that I get such pleasure out of baking cookies and sharing them, I wanted other people to have that pleasure. So 
I started the project as, oh, it was voluntary. But now that it's a homework assignment, <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Here's your assignment. Bake. Bake, bake, bake. And share what you've baked. Mm. Either share your cookies with someone you know and love or surprise someone with cookies or drop them off anonymously as – well, would people really eat? Yeah, drop them off anonymously. Go to the fire I, I department. Hope so, yeah. Right? Find a home for your cookies. Teacher Appreciation Day, Neighbor Appreciation Day, bake – and share, and then post a picture of either your cookies or the surprised recipient, <laughs> the share e, with the hashtag cookies and kindness. And if you and I get tagged, then we'll be able to see. So I'm at Dory Greenspan, and we are at Nerdat Podcast, right? And then we can both see what's going on in the world of cookies and kindness. Cookies and kindness is such a perfect time for the for the holiday, too. It's great. Homework. Yay. Dory Greenspan, thank you so much for coming on Nerdette. It's been so much fun. Thank you. The book is called Dory's Cookies. Do your homework. Make some cookies and give them away. It's fun. Delicious, delicious homework. <laughs> the show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Joe Dassault and Justin Bull. Our intern is Annie Nguyen. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. I bet all of them would like some cookies, Greta. Wink, <laughs> nudge. You know, I was thinking we about have making some nodding and winking next week, happening. but now it's not going to be a surprise if I do it. Would you like ginger cookies or almond butter chocolate chip cookies next week? What? Think about it. Ginger cookies. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. But I want them to be gingerbread ladies, not gingerbread men. Can they just be round? I was just thinking that's fine too. (laughs) Like, man, you're getting picky now. Then I can stack three of them and make a snowman. You can't. What I really need to find is that corgi cookie cutter you got me. I don't know where it is. Listen, if you're going to not take care of the corgi (laughs) cookie cutters I buy you, (laughs) then I'm not going to keep buying you weird 3D printed cookie cutters on Etsy. (laughs) No, please do. Please do. Subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us on NPR One. Thanks to Rena Rifkin for the five stars on iTunes and the lovely review. It's okay that you're not doing all the homework. It's like a master's degree. You can do it sort of at your own pace. It's like an online part-time master's. (laughs) Yeah, man. Do it as you please. It'll be okay. Your final grade is still an A, especially if you give us five stars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We will take bribes in the form of stars in exchange for you not being able to do all the homework. Find us on Twitter at Nerdette Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads. We're in all those places and happy to talk with you about all the nerdy things there. We also have a newsletter if you want to keep up with us, know what's coming up on the show in the weeks to come, know about events that we have going on here in Chicago, know about just what we're reading on the internet. Sign up for that newsletter at nerdettepodcast.com. Nerdette is a production of WBEZ Chicago, where there are delightful podcasts for nerds of all stripes. You can find out more at wbez.org. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Man, I really need to find that cookie cutter. Do your homework. That's your homework. Because <laughs> I now don't want ginger cookies. Are you mad? Unless they're ginger corks. <laughs> ginger corks. Ginger corks. <laughs> oh, my God. I want ginger corgi cookies. Ginger corgi cookies, it does have a really good ring to it. It's like rubber baby buggy bumpers. It is. It really is. Okay, I'll try and make it happen. That's your homework. <laughs> yes, you made that clear. <laughs> Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. 
Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.